Hi, everybody. I am Jeff Mayers from WISPolitics.com and WISBusiness.com. I'm here today having a conversation with the recently retired head of the Wisconsin Association of Independent Colleges and Universities, which we abbreviate as WICU, and his name is Dr. Rolf Wagenke. Welcome, Rolf. Thank you. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. So you recently retired, and um, it's, you have a very interesting quote in your, your, the press release. Uh, you talk about having two professional careers. I knew you when you were in economic development for Tommy Thompson. You were one of his economic development workforce leaders. How did you transition from that, you know, working with five governors, including Tommy Thompson, into 30 years with Waiku? Well, there are a lot of similarities when you talk about transferring. I have 23 presidents who are my board of directors now. I had governors then, but legislators always feel they, they run everything, and most of the time they do. So I was, I was used to having a lot of bosses, but there's such a connection between education and workforce, education, and the economy now. It was just a, the same issues with a different perspective. Yeah. Tell people a little bit about Waiku. I mean, you know, uh, they may be familiar with the private colleges, various private colleges, but, you know, tell us about Waiku. How many, you, you mentioned how many uh, Waiku presidents, but the institutions and uh, they range from very big to small. Very small. Um, they're all private nonprofit colleges and universities, 23 uh, who are constitute our board of directors. Um, our working, our mission statement, our tagline is working together for educational opportunity. And we really take that seriously. That's that's something around this office and out among the membership. We asked ourselves, everything we do, does that advance educational opportunity, particularly for students who don't have that opportunity in their background? So we have 56,000 students now. And to the second part of your question, there are enrollment challenges but it's not uniform. We're independent colleges and, and there are cycles to this. I was talking yesterday with one of our members who has had record enrollment in four of the last five years. So there- and So where was, where was that? What institution was that? that? That was Wisconsin Lutheran College in Milwaukee, so. And so your biggest institution is? Marquette University. Some people argue the Medical College Wisconsin is bigger. Um, but uh, I don't get into these disputes. <laughs> and your smallest institution is? Neshota House. And like how many people, how many students do they, what's their enrollment? 100. 100. So, I mean, you're serving, you know, when you're head of uh, Waiku, you're serving a lot of different uh, masters and you're representing that to uh, outside parties like the legislature and the governor. Right. So, Okay. When you gave the uh, elevator speech to somebody who was like, Waiku, what's that? Or private colleges, why should I care? What'd you tell them? I tell them they should care because this is their own future and the future of the economy is dependent on having an educated workforce. And everyone knows we have shortages. Um, many people aren't aware there are a lot of shortages in areas that require four-year degrees or plus. So we need not only welders, we need engineers not only teachers, but we need bus drivers. And uh, that's their, our future is dependent on us doing something about the workforce shortages. 
So, you know, while, while we're on that subject, um, you know, the, I guess the value proposition for a higher ed degree has been disputed uh, in recent years. I think something that I personally was surprised at is like, well, yeah, isn't going, getting a higher ed degree, isn't that better? Uh, but not everybody thought so. Uh, what do you think of the the debate just in general? Why we're debating that? Um, and uh, is it a worthy debate? I think it's a disappointing debate because you're absolutely right. The evidence is overwhelming that in terms of income, in, in terms of um, health, that the more education you have, the better off you're going to be. And that applies to the state as well as to individuals. I can't explain how we got blind down this blind alley about you don't need college. We do need college. Again, there are shortages in medical doctors. To give another example, we all know we need them. There are enough, particularly in rural areas. And we've somehow gotten down this blind alley that saying we don't need that. It's spreading even worse. Is there? I saw a study recently that said over 80% of 18-year-olds think college is not worth it. Now they're 18, granted, and, and they're maybe not sure, but that's very disturbing if you look at our future, if our people who are just on the brink of going off to college don't think it's valuable. And then shame on us. I mean, shame on us in education, shame on us who are the adults here uh, for not speaking up and making it clear because the consequences are going to be devastating. Well, some of this could, if it's a recent study, could be a, a product of COVID and the job market being so robust, right? I mean, if you're an 18-year-old, uh, maybe you think, wow, I can go make, I might be able to make, uh, you know, $15, $20 an hour, you know, without any training. But the the future of that and the cycle, economic cycles, uh, means those kind of jobs aren't always going to be around, right? Exactly. And the creation of those jobs. Um, is is more likely to take place in colleges and universities uh, and entrepreneurs who partner with colleges and universities than otherwise. So th there's, a, there's a big job ahead of us. I wish I could stay with you and, and, and go and fight that good fight. But I think that's the critical issue looking forward is, is this you don't need college crowd. And what are we going to do about it? I think we can't be passive. I think we have to get out there and tell the story. Well, what's the best way to tell the story? I think it begins back in K-12, um, and they're, I'm sympathetic, of course, to K-12. They have such a shortage, for example, of high school counselors, and they have so much on their plate from drug abuse to, to bullying to everything else, but they're the ones who have the contact with students and, and the faculty in K-12 who can send that message across. Instead, I think what we've got we've sent out is, is jokes, and some of them are pretty good about you know the, the first PhD, someone like me who has a PhD and ends up driving a cab. Well, I never drove a cab, but I did work in a restaurant bussing dishes, you know, so there, there is hope, but we don't want people falling behind because it's very hard to catch up. Right, you know, I think there's this, uh, the vision of, you know, when there are laid off workers, we're just gonna retrain them, right? And, you know, it, it's like, that sounds really good and there's a lot of money thrown at that issue, but you were in economic development and workforce, a lot of that money doesn't pay off. It doesn't have a long-term future, that's for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's important. I mean, I don't look up, my, my dad worked in a metal bending kind of factory, never had a college degree, he had a decent life. 
I have great respect for people who can weld and know without injuring themselves or others. And uh, so I think we want to be careful here that it's that you need everybody. The welders need the engineers designing and improving the products, but they can't get the product out there unless there's the welder. And on it goes, we need bus drivers, but there wouldn't be if there aren't teachers. Let's go back to enrollments a little bit, because I think there, um, this is a question in all of higher education, and it's certainly popping up at, uh, in, in Wisconsin with UW system schools and some, and some private colleges. So um, what is the enrollment challenge? Can you define it? Is it, is it does it go back to this, um, uh, this thinking that, well, higher ed isn't important? Or is it is it a demographic issue or some combination thereof? What, can you define it for us? Well, the more recent, you, you mentioned COVID, and the most recent can, problems can be attributed to COVID. Part of it is birth rate, and we've known that was coming for a while. But, but frankly, when, when COVID people weren't working and incomes were cut off, we had record dropouts. And so it all comes back to money. Uh, and the Wisconsin grant, we're talking about people who have need, have financial need, can't attend college unless they get help, but who didn't see, know there was financial aid available, didn't know how to find it, didn't know how to get it, so they dropped out. And that explains the enrollment drop as well in, in pretty significant numbers. Uh, so much of this, I think you alluded to, it has to do with funding and debt right so you know president biden um has uh issued a directive of loan forgiveness that will help millions of students uh you know of college students and former college students around the country not just those who have degrees but college students i think it's estimated that there's more than six hundred thousand people in wisconsin who would benefit for this the congressional budget office though estimated recently that it would cost 400 billion over 30 years, this loan forgiveness. Uh, you know, when somebody uh, goes to a private college, the price tag is often higher and then they make up some of the difference through grants and loans. So um, first of all, what do you think of the Biden plan? Cause it's being challenged in court and um, is it worth it? Let me give that, and then I want to circle back to the cost issue, if that's all right. That, sure. That um, after Kuwait was uh, liberated from Iraq, uh, the, their head of state made some complaining comment about the garbage left behind by U.S. troops. And Dave Obey, who was a congressman from Wausau at that time, said to him, the operative word is thank you. That's our word when it comes to loan forgiveness and any aid that's directed at students. We, in, we, we have things that we think could improve it, but I'd like to start by saying to the president and other supporters, thank you. Are there issues? I think there are. One thing, um, that it's a large amount of money, but it's gonna be very difficult to cover all the students and some will, the best way to target, frankly, is to provide that money with a means test. Now, $10 million or $10,000 of the loan forgiveness is linked to the Pell Grant, which means it's for low-income students. Otherwise, you're going to be subsidizing students though, who would attend college in any, in any event. The other issue which needs to be addressed with loan forgiveness is we're hoping people will go back to college and we'll say, go to college in four years, 
will forgive your loans or more. That's too far ahead for our 18-year-old to make a decision to go to college, whereas grants are something that you receive right away. Going back to college costs, I think you have to look at net tuition and what students are actually paying, which is going down over years. And that's where the Wisconsin grant comes in, which is means-tested aid. It's been around since 1965. Um, and just in the years I've been at WICU, it is spending on the Wisconsin grant has gone up to $681 million over those 30 years. So that's, that's real money. That will make a difference. It's something students can understand and it's likely to change behavior in a way that's efficient, meaning efficient for the taxpayers and state government and change behavior and get people getting those degrees and coming out into the workforce. What about the complaint that colleges are driving the cost of these programs because they keep raising tuition? I'm not talking about your institutions or your, you know, I, I just in general, what about that complaint? Well, everything should be free, at least if I'm expected to pay for it. I, we <laughs> all have a tendency. But there, there is more to uh, education than ever before and expenses in, in new technologies. Um, in counseling, we have mental illness issues. But what people often don't realize, if you look at Wisconsin's 23 private colleges, that the um, that the net tuition has actually declined over the last five, last several years. It's under $5,000 a student. Net tuition just means you look at the sticker price, you take away the uh, financial aid, both loans and grants that students get. And so their net out of pocket is under $5,000, which is actually less than UW tuition. Now, partially we've been able to do that at WICU members, because we have pulled together over the last 20 years to share our costs and to share programs. So we have saved in the years I've been here with our cost saving collaborations over $280 million, $230 million, I'm sorry. So that's starting to get to be real money. An average per college, we save them a million dollars a year because we use economies of scale. We go out into the marketplace, we go to bid not for one college and 10 students or 100 students, but for 23 colleges and for 56,000 students. So that our collaborations have been a big thing. We have a national reputation for our cost-saving efforts here. It's national in every single place except for Wisconsin. And I've traveled to other states. I have invitations now that I'm retired to travel to other states as well and tell how we did it. And the way we did it was the presidents all those years ago when they hired me said, it's time to take risks. We have to do something different. And they, it was an interview question saying, what are you going to do about college costs? And on the spot in the interview, you know how it is, you have to have something. I proposed the kind of collaboration that we're actually doing today. It took us several years, almost 10 years to get it up and organized. But now, as I said, we've saved that we can document $230 million for members. And if we can control our costs, that helps us control tuition levels and and you look at, at the, the stats too, for our students, we actually enroll and graduate a higher number of low-income students than the UW. So we're, we've, we have taken some steps here and others can learn from Wisconsin as well. Right, and that's where this Pell grant forgiveness comes in for the low-income students. So uh, we mentioned, talk about 
future challenges. Uh, you mentioned before it sort of the uh, the danger of the thinking that college doesn't matter. College degrees don't matter. You you, you found that to be the you think that's the biggest future challenge. What are some of the yeah. other big challenges ahead? I think it is uh, that we we um, on the other hand trust students uh, to to find a path that's going to work for them. I've I've been around long enough that I remember something called the dot com bubble, where everyone was going to major in computer science and that would be our career. Well, then came the dot com bust, and we had people specializing. It's too soon to ask someone 18 years old, what are you going to be doing in five years when you graduate and you're out in your first job? And then what are you going to be doing in 30 years? And I never started out after I got my doctorate thinking I would work in economic development or in higher education, but it's worked well. It's been a joy for me and I, I hope a benefit to others. So I, th I think trusting the students to instead of micromanaging majors, um, but let the marketplace drive, students will do it. They've done it up to now and, and I have confidence they will. So those, those sorts of things, more information, more counseling, maybe the best way to say it is more education. We need more education to, to make the kind of difference for our economy and our state that we want. Yeah, now trusting the students, that seems to go against, uh, I think when you were with uh, Tommy Thompson's administration, there was, at least study of the German model, you know, tracking students earlier, uh, getting them into trades earlier, if that's what they're suited for. Um, trusting the students doesn't sound, sounds like you're, uh, you know, uh, not embracing the tracking, early tracking idea. I think it's fair to say that I'm not embracing it. And I think um, there are, um, there are supporters of it, whom I greatly respect, the late Jim Clouser being one of them. Um, and uh, the intention is there, but it, it inevitably, I think, becomes too much micromanaging. And of course, there should be standards and there should be feedback. Is this working? Is it making a difference? I talked about our collaborative services. I talked about the $280 million in savings. Uh, we have to have measures and it's better looking though at outcomes than inputs. And if you're going to look at inputs with, with education, um, you don't want to set out on too rich a path without flexibility, without the opportunity to explore new things, to be innovative, to be creative, to be entrepreneurial. You can be an entrepreneur when you're in elementary school. And then some, some people have done it. Okay. So um, your successor is uh, the president of Rockford College. Yes. And what makes uh, him uh, the right choice? Were you involved in that choice, by the way? Or no, that's the, our in higher education. You don't do that, and I think it's a I I favor that because I I've done as much as I can. I think thirty years. If I had more ideas, I would have gotten them up and going. <laughs> I'm the one you want to get out of that process. I think he's I think he's a great choice, and one of his great strengths is going to be that he's been a college or university president. Because have, working with a board of college and university presidents of independent colleges, they all have their different views. And one of the main criteria for being successful in this job is to get everyone working together. And we worked on some big things, the idea of collaborating and sharing services across campus. It was radical. Um, and uh, I remember in the early days doing that, a chief financial officer, one of our members, said to me, Rolf, 
with this project, you're just going to make everything worse. So there were, let's say there were, that's, I knew from that on, it was, people were skeptical. Um, and uh, so getting people at the presidential level have a lot on their mind to be, take risks, to work together to this unprecedented level. I think that he'll be very suited in that because he's, he's been there. He's done it himself. Have you offered any like advice? Watch out for this thing. You probably can't give me what you told him. <laughs> I, you you guessed it. Yeah, I was just going to say yes. I have, and I'm not going to tell you, Jeff. But <laughs> no, I he's been very open, and we are looking forward to having more con conversations. He isn't here yet. He's starting in December, and uh, so we have an interim in the meantime. But he seems very open, or he's got me fooled. And if he can fool me, he can fool everybody. So. I'm 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 looking forward to it. I think Wife is going to be very fortunate to have it. Okay, well, we're at the end of our time. I really appreciate you taking the time, Dr. Rolf Wagenke, the recently retired uh, leader of the Wisconsin Association of Independent Colleges and Universities. Good luck in your retirement. Thank you for your service. And uh, I hope you stick around and uh, and offer your advice from time to time. I'll offer it to anyone who'll take it. So. <laughs> Form the line, Jeff. You can be first. <laughs> All right. See you later. Thanks very much. You bet.